Let's all now please turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 3. 1 John, chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. And once you find 1 John, chapter 3, verses 18 through 20, if you could please stand to honor the reading of his word. It says in 1 John, chapter 3, verse 18 through 20, My little children, let us not Excuse me, let us love not in word and speech, but in action and truth. By this we know that we are of the truth and shall reassure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows everything. May God honor the reading of his word. You may be seated. You know, everything is apparent. Everything is apparent. In other words, clearly visible and understood and obvious to God. In other words, God knows everything. He knows absolutely everything. This sometimes scares people. It scares people when people are being dishonest. When people are lying. It, it does. But he knows everything. He knows what we're thinking. He knows exactly what we're thinking. He knows. I remember when I was a kid, there's a song this time of year. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you are bad or good, so it'll be good for goodness sake. Now, that wasn't about the Lord. But that is true about God. He knows all these things. He knows when you're lying, cheating, stealing. He knows all these things. God does. Because God is omniscient. Now, this word omniscient is a Latin word, but it comes from two, it's a word that we talk about. It comes from two Latin words. The first is omni. And there's three words we talk about. It starts with omni. We won't go into all those, except to say that the first Latin word of omni means all. The omni is all omniscient, the the ishent part, or at least the shin part, means knowing. He's all knowing. He knows everything. I heard I saw some imbecile, and I'll just say imbecile because it is it, stupid. I saw some imbecile trying to say that God doesn't know everything. Well, dumber than a bag of hammers, I often say. That's foolish. God does know everything. He knows everything. God is omniscient. Anyone to say otherwise doesn't know the word or doesn't follow it. The fact of the matter is everything is apparent to God. God knows all things. He made all things. He knows all things. The title of today's sermon is Apparent to God. These things, everything is apparent to God. He knows everything. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're doing. He knows these things. This can be terrifying, but not when you're following God. Things are apparent to God. Let me tell you what it says in Job chapter 34. Verse 21, we are to be, everything's apparent to God. Listen to what it says. It says in Job 34, 21, it says, For his eyes, talking about God, his eyes are on the ways of man, and he sees all his steps. God knows what we're doing. We know, he knows our steps. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're doing. Everything is apparent to God. It's apparent. And that's what it says in Psalm 147, verse 5. 
Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and great and great in power. His understanding is without measure. It's without measure. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's all, he's everywhere. God is everywhere, man. <laughs> God is everywhere. And God is all powerful. God is everywhere. God knows everything. God knows everything. It was apparent to God, it was apparent to God that God needed parents. It was apparent to God that God needed parents. So it was apparent to God who should be the parents to God. So God knew, because it was apparent to God, that when he created the world, and he created it perfectly, it was apparent to God that the world wasn't going to stay perfect. Because as we know, as we say so often from Romans 3, 23, they're all sinful and short of glory of God. So God knew that he was going to have to send himself through his son. He knew that. God the Father sent his son. We know that. So it was apparent to him that he was going to have to send him through parents. He knew that. So it was apparent to God that he was going to have to have not a parent, but parents through God. He had to find a perfect parent. Talking about the mother. He sent parents to God's son. They were needed. So he picked two. He picked a parent, a mother, Mary. And he picked a parent, not talking about a literal father, not talking about a physical father, but a father nonetheless, a stepdaddy, as I call him. He picked a daddy. So it was apparent to God that he needed parents for God here on earth, and he needed them. So both that he chose came through the bloodline of David. And you can find this in the books of Matthew. And in the book of Luke. In the book of Matthew, as it starts off, it's talking about the bloodline through Joseph. And in the book of Luke, it's talking through the bloodline of Mary. So the world, the people who don't know any better, they oftentimes say it's contradictory. No, it's not contradictory. It is through two different people, even though it's through the same family. And let me tell you something else. One goes backwards, and one goes forward. One's talking backwards, saying Mary, blah, 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 blah. And one's going forward. The fact is, it's through the same families, except one goes through Mary's father, one goes through Joseph's. Okay? So therefore, keep in mind, they're Third cousins. So, keep in mind, we're going through cousins now. They stopped at, at, at uh, grandfathers, okay? And brothers. They're, they're grandfathers, brothers, okay? So, therefore, it goes off this way, this direction. And we have to remember, it's not contradictory. And even, and you have to remember that Joseph's father, whose name was Jacob, had another name, too, was known by another name as well. It's not that they contradict one another. It's just that he had a different name as well. So therefore, it's not that one contradicts one another. It's just that you have to have a history lesson sometimes and know who they're saying. For instance, 
I have several names I go by. My name is Philip. Go with two L's. Misspelled. <laughs> but in reality, in reality, I also have other names. I'm known as Fevers. I'm known as Phil. I've been called many, many things. I'm known as Pac. That's my initials. So I'm, a, I'm the Pac-Man. I'm known as many, many things. So if you were to read in one book from my brothers that Phoebes did this, or, or, or that, that, that the, uh, the Phil man did this, or, or Phoebes, or Phoebes, or whatever, it's not that it's a different person. It's just me from a different name. Or, 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 or Philip Andrew, Philly Andrew, and all these other names they give me. They give me so many names. Fact is, I'm the same guy, that good-looking feller with no hair on top. It's the same man, and they did the same in the Bible. They had different names. For instance, if you read the, uh, about Matthew in the book of Matthew, they talk about Matthew and some of the other names, or in some of the other books of the Gospels, they talk about another guy whose name was Levi. It's the same man, Matthew, but it's they have a different name. I'm trying to tell you is sometimes just because they have a different name doesn't mean it's a different person. Doesn't mean it's a different person. The same. So we see in the book of Matthew, we go through the Joseph's line, and the book of Luke, we go through Mary's bloodline, but it's the same family. It's the same family. So God, it was apparent to God that he needed a parent for God, his son. And so therefore, he chose two people. The first one was Mary. He chose Mary, and that can be found in the book of Luke. And we're going to look not at the whole family here, but we're going to look at Mary first because Mary is the one. Mary is the one. We people talk about Mary all the time. It was Mary was apparent. It was apparent to God for her to be apparent to God. And Mary was in Galilee of Nazareth, and she was visited by angel Gabriel. Now, we're not going to go too deep into it, because next week at Christmas, I'm going to go through the entire story of Nazareth. I'm going to, I'm going to say the nativity. I'm going to go through the whole story of the nativity next week on Christmas Day. Okay, so I don't want to go through all of it. But to say that Mary was visited uh, in Galilee, by the angel Gabriel, who was sent by God. And we see in Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 35, the angel Gabriel said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you, because the Lord was with her. The, the angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have, been, you have found favor with God. And he told her great news about giving birth to God's son. Mary said, How can this be? She, she didn't know how this could be. She thought she wasn't that special. She just thought she was a regular girl, and she was a girl. She was a, uh, when I say a girl, of course, she's female. And I know nowadays that's, that's confusing to people because they don't know what a girl is. They don't know what a female is. I mean, you, you say, Pastor, do they really not know what a girl is? Well, yeah, they're, they're ignorant. They're stupid. They don't know the difference between a female and a woman and a girl. They don't know. But we know there's a difference between a female and, and a woman. We know there's a difference between what people think is a woman and what really is a woman. God made a female, and he chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus. She didn't know how she could be any different because she was just a young girl. She was young, real young. Some think maybe 15, 16, 17. We don't know, but she was young. She was very, very young. And more importantly, she said, how can this be since I have not known a man? In other words, she had not been intimate with a man. She wasn't married yet. She was, however, she had a fiancé. She was engaged, but in their uh, culture, they would be engaged for an entire year before they would be physical with a man or physical with their, their spouse because, you know, the man wouldn't be physical with her either. Now, so therefore, she knew she could not. It was impossible for her to be pregnant. 
I'll just say it straight out. The angel Gabriel then said in verse 35 of Matthew chapter, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 1, the angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One, talking about Jesus now, will be born and will be called the Son of God. Now, isn't that amazing? It's impossible. Impossible for this to happen in any other way except that the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this to be? Why is this to be? How could it be? And why is this to be? Because, because sin is on the world. Sin was in the world. Sin was in the world when a man was with a woman. Sin was with the world. The only way for sin not to be in Jesus was for God himself, through the Holy Spirit, to come inside Mary so that blood, the blood of man, meaning sin, going through uh, uh, the, the uh, mankind, it could not enter Jesus if God himself was to come into Mary. We're not talking having relation with Mary, but we're talking through the Holy Spirit. So therefore, now sin would not enter in to Jesus. So this was the only way for sin not to be in Jesus so that he could not be born sinful like we are. It was a miracle. It was miraculous. It was miraculous. Then we see something wonderful. When Mary heard of this miraculous thing that was about to happen, Mary said in Luke 1, 46 and 47, she sang a song. She sang a song. I won't sing you the whole song. But Mary started out by saying, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Hallelujah. Listen to what John said, or excuse me, what, the, what Jesus says about women who give birth. And I'm only saying this to you because if you have given birth to children, you're blessed. And I love you. God loves you. If you are a mama, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. And, and if you uh, haven't had that blessing, I'm sorry that, that, that you haven't had that chance. But I'm going to tell you this. God loves women who give birth. Because Jesus said this. Listen now. John 16, 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has pain. Because her hour has come. But as soon as she delivered the child, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a child, for joy that a child is born into the world. You see, we know. We know it's painful. I don't know from experience. But I, I'm not foolish. Obviously it hurts. But the joy into the world of that child. All that pain is forgotten. I don't mean you don't that you literally forget that you hurt, obviously. But the fact is, is that all that pain no longer matters because the joy has overcome the pain. The joy is worth more than all that pain. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine all the pain that Mary felt? Even more so than most women. Because she hadn't been with a man, so it had to be more painful. But even that, though, all the pain she felt, how much more joy did she feel when she brought God into the world? Hallelujah. She was chosen. Why? And she, I'm sure she thought, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to bring God into the world. But it was apparent to God that she was to be the parent of God. Hallelujah. What it says in Acts 1.14, listen to this now. Acts 1.14. She was with Jesus throughout his entire life here on earth. And afterwards, she 
Because it says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I'm talking about the people after Jesus Christ left this world. And it says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were still worshiping and praying and praising and going on and praising the Lord and following God. And she was in prayer. And she was praising the Lord and following the Lord and knowing that her son, Jesus Christ, had come and done what he was supposed to do. And she was doing what she was supposed to do and leading people in prayer. Oh, can you imagine? What a wonderful chosen woman because God knew it was apparent to God that she was going to do what she was chosen to do. Hallelujah. But Joseph also, Joseph, Joseph, it was apparent to God for him to be apparent to God. He was chosen. He was chosen. He was chosen. He didn't live very long, we know, because he didn't get spoken about after Jesus was 12 years old. But listen what it says in Matthew 1, 18-23. The birth of Jesus happened this way. Mary was engaged to Joseph, and Joseph, her husband, being a just man. He was a just man, a good and just man, and not willing to make her a public example. Can you imagine what it must have been like for him? Here he was, engaged to this woman he loved. He was engaged to her. Suddenly he finds out she's expecting. He's going to have a baby. Can you imagine how it must have broke his heart to find out she was going to have a baby? He must have thought that she had been unfaithful. I mean, common sense. Surely he thought that. Surely. So it says that he decided to divorce her, but privately, because he didn't want her to be made an example, because, folks, she probably would have been stoned to death. I mean, that was that was the common ground there. People would stone her to death. So he's like, I'm going to do this privately. I don't want to hurt her. He loved her. So this is what it says. But while he thought, verse 20, but while he thought on these things, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for he, how about Jesus now, for he who is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine? Now all this occurred to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, saying, A virgin shall be with child, and he excuse me, and will bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. And this was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This was all to be true. So Joseph woke up and he married her and he raised Jesus as a carpenter. He taught him and raised him to know and follow the Jewish laws and, and, and the customs as all his father, all the fathers did. He raised him as his very own. He didn't think anything weird about it. He did what he was supposed to do. In fact, most of the people thought that this was his son. We know that because it says in Matthew 13, verse 55 through 56, that the people all thought that this was Joseph's, uh, uh, Joseph was Jesus' daddy. They would say, isn't this the carpenter's son? In fact, it even said, it even said uh, a couple things. It said that they had other sons, talking about Joseph and Mary. And I say this to you because people think all the time the Catholics and others teach that Mary was a perpetual virgin, and she was not. She had other children. It says in Matthew 13, 55 through 56. It also says that Mark 6, 3 says they had other sons, James and Joseph, Simon and Judah. 
or Jude, or Judas and Jude. Judas is he's also known. And we know this because James and Jude also wrote books in the New Testament. But they also had sisters. Uh, Jesus had sisters. They had other girls. Now, how many? We don't know. At least two, because it's plural. He at least had two other sisters. It may have been three. It may have been four. We have no idea. Maybe five or six. We have no idea. But we'll say at least two. He had two sisters. We don't know. But Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters. How wonderful is that? Now, can you imagine? If you have brothers and sisters, you know how hard it must be. When they say, how come you can't be like your brother or your sister? Can you imagine how hard it must have been to have a brother, Jesus? How come you can't be like Jesus? How come you're not making water into wine? No, I'm just joking. But in truth, he had brothers and sisters. He had brothers and sisters. Because it was apparent to God for them to be the parents to God. It was apparent to God. But guess what? You were chosen too. You were chosen too. Because it was apparent to God for you to be the child to God. To be God's child. To be God's soldier. To be his obedient servant. Through salvation and through choice. People say, but wait a minute. So if, if Christ came to die for all, does that mean everyone's saved? No, because we get the choice. We have free will. It was apparent to God that you could be his child, that you could be a servant, that you could be a soldier. But sometimes it's not apparent to others that they can be because they don't get it. They don't understand. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 15.3. Proverbs 15.3. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. It's apparent to God. He wants to make us all his children. But not everybody. It's not apparent to everybody that they either want to or can or will. Listen to this. You'll like this. Mark 10, 15-16. Mark 10, 15-16 says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall not enter. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. If we have the faith as a child, faith as a child, we will become his child and enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the question is, are you his child? Are you going to enter into the kingdom of heaven like his child? If you are not his child today, it was apparent to God that you could be his child. If it's not apparent to you that you want him to be your parent, that's on you. But you can be his child today. Because it was apparent to him. He wanted you to be his child. Come to him today. Just like it was apparent to God that he wanted Joseph and Mary to be the parents of God, he wants you to be his child. He wants you to be saved. I know many of you are saved today by faith in his grace. But there are some who are not. But you can be. It says this in Deuteronomy. You know, there's so many. Listen to this now. There's so many who are saved. And you're raising up children. Some will not come to the Lord or have not. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 5.29. It says in Deuteronomy 5.29, Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me. Talking about respect and honor. That they would fear me and always keep all my commandments. That it might be well with them and with their children forever. 
We're to raise up our children. Raise up your children. Follow God. Now, just like God cannot make you be his obedient children, you cannot make your children be obedient, but you can raise them up. Your parents, you parents were also a parent to God. He chose you. He chose you to raise the children up to follow God. To be an example first. Be an example first. And all you can do is follow him. Be an apparent parent. Be an apparent parent by being an example. That's all you can do. Listen, and I quote this a lot. This is what it says in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So train up that child. You train him up right, he'll remember it. He'll come back. So wait a minute, if I teach him right, not just that you teach him right, but that you do right, that you do right. But what if I messed up a lot? Then come back to doing right again and show them by example. Be a parent in the fact that you even made mistakes, but do be a parent as a parent by coming back to Christ. They'll see it. Proverbs 13, 24. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him, disciplines him early. Proverbs 29, 17. Correct. I'll say it again. Proverbs 29, 17. Correct your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. See, that's why God tells us what's right and wrong. It's not because he hates us or wants us to be uncomfortable, because he loves us and wants us to do right. I've said these things before. It's very true. And then I'm going to read you Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And this is for the children and the parents. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it might be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's not just fathers, it's mothers as well. But we are to bring them up right. Don't provoke them. Don't push them to anger. Don't push them to do wrong, but do what is right. Then we have Proverbs 17, 6. Oh, there's a lot in Proverbs, isn't there? Proverbs 17, 6. Grandchildren. Oh, grandparents, listen now. Listen. You too have an example to live. You have an example to live by, grandparents. This is what it says in Proverbs 17, 6. Grandchildren are the crown of old men. And the glory of children are their fathers. I'm proud of grandparents. I'm so proud of grandparents. Man, I've seen so many grandparents throughout my life who bring their kids to church and the parents won't. And I see grandparents, I bring them anyway. Yes, you might be all that they have. Do what's right. You know, a moment ago I mentioned my grandparents that I put that ornament on the tree. You know why? Because my parents did treat me, teach me right, but my grandparents did right by raising my parents right. My grandfather, I mean, my uh, father, my grandfather and my grandmother taught my father right. And my grandmother and grandfather got me my first Bible and they taught me right. I'm proud. Jeremy talked about his grandmother. She was a wonderful woman and is a wonderful woman. I say was. She is a wonderful woman. She is in heaven. So is his grandfather. A wonderful man. I love him. I still love him. Marvelous. We're to do what's right. 
Isaiah 54, verse 13. Isaiah 54, 13. All your sons shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your sons. And then 3 John, verse 4, because there's only one chapter in 3 John. 3 John, verse 4, I have no greater joy. This is John speaking about those who he's brought up, those who he's taught. 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What a great joy. To know your children are doing right. What a great joy. You know, I've not been blessed with children of my own. I've not. But boy, I've got a lot of kids in my life. A lot of kids, and I love them all. And when I see them following God and doing right, what joy it brings to see kids living right. Oh, what joy. Think about the joy that God sees when his children are raising children to do what's right. Hallelujah. 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 You know, it was apparent to God to be born and die and rise so that you could be a child of God. It was apparent to God because he loved you. He loved you. It was apparent to God that there's no other way. It was apparent to God that he did this because he needed to. It was apparent to God to bring in the parents of God so that you have a way to heaven. Now our love for God is apparent to God. And needs to be apparent to all those around. So that they can see Jesus in us. So that they may call out. So that it will be apparent that there's but one way into heaven. And it's not because of we're so glorious. But that his glory can be seen each and every day. Let his love be apparent to everyone around us. And I will now close in prayer as I close. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. And it says in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Listen what it says. Known to God are all his works since the beginning of the world. And I say, Acts 15. Known to God are all his works since the beginning of the world. Everything is apparent to God. He knows all things. He knows me. He knows you. He knows we make mistakes. He knows that we don't deserve to go to but he also knows that we're going to be saved. We call out the name today. There might be people right now who feel that they don't deserve to go to heaven. You're right. I know I don't. It is apparent that we need him. It is apparent that we need him now. And if you call out the name, please take it. It might be apparent to you of all the sin and mistakes you've made. And I can guarantee you have. Guess what I have too. 
There are days it's apparent to me just how worthless I feel. I'm not worthless. Not God. Because I'm not saved by my work. I'm saved by His. It was apparent to God that on my own I'd burn in hell for eternity. And He would do it. That is why He was born in a manger. But He wasn't born in a manger to stay there. He was born in a manger so that He could live on this world. Die on the cross, be raised from the grave, and ascend into heaven where he will come back. But when he does, when he does come back to heaven, he's going to bring those who are apparently saved, take them to heaven. So I'm going to ask you are you saved today? Is it apparent to you that you are? Because if you don't know, you better call him right now. If you question, if you even for a second question your salvation, don't wait. Let this be the day of calling on Jesus Christ. You're not going to be saved because of the little things you do, just because you come to church, just because you own a Bible, just because your mom and daddy took you to church when you were little, or anything else. It's because you believe. Faith the grace of Jesus Christ. By faith, Jesus Christ. Calling him today. Make sure your salvation is apparent. Have no doubts. Let's bow down. Dear friends, I pray today. I pray today. That if there be anyone here today, or anyone at home, whose salvation is not apparent to them, perfectly clear, if they have any doubts at all, that today they will call to you, cry out, save me. Lord God, I pray that there will not be anyone, not one person to walk away with any questions. I pray that everything will be this day will be completely clear. I pray, Lord God, that I stay on you with Father, I pray for all. I pray if there's anyone here today who needs to come forward and needs to bring things right with the person. I pray, Lord God, that you will take away our pain and sorrow. Lord God, I pray that this season, the season, Lord, of Christmas, will be brought clear to us as well. That we will put you first always, not just in this season, but all seasons of our life. I pray for all this. Holy Church of Anyone, please send us a name.